This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Hello and welcome to the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network and Sportsnet 360. Matt Marchese here. Jeff will be back Monday. But you got me for the next two wonderful hours as we wrap up the week that was in the NHL. Elliot Freeman will join us in a couple minutes. Uh, Josh Yowie from The Athletic. We'll talk about the Penguins. Talk about that goal last night. Not Sidney Crosby's goal. You know which one I'm talking about. Uh, Thomas Drance will join us in the next hour. The Vancouver Canucks made a trade. They did lose a game last night, but they did make a trade. And uh, a nice little fit there with Nikita Zadorov going to Vancouver in exchange for a couple of draft picks. And then we'll do the weekend review with producer David Sis. He shaved for, uh, for this one, so he's all set. I got a haircut for this one, too. So we're both on the same page here. My grandmother's really happy, by the way. But on last night, you can't stop him. You can only contain him. And I'm talking about Tristan Jari. What a shot. First career goal for him. I know that sounds really weird saying that about a goalie. Um, I don't anticipate he's going to score any other ones. But it was super cool to see. You know, the the thing that I love most about when a goalie scores a goal is the reaction from his teammates. Because what we see is, like, they're almost happier than the goalie is when the goalie scores the goal. Like, I thought that Eric Carlson was going to shake him until he couldn't see anymore. It was incredible. I love that kind of stuff. And you, and you love a good goalie goal. Like, not the one where they get credited because they were the last one to touch it. Like, firing it from the other end of the ice, those are always the best. Now, the trade that occurred yesterday. Nikita Zadorov, you get your wish. Calgary swings the deal to move him to Vancouver. Uh, let's call him disgruntled Nikita Zadorov. A fifth round pick in 2024 and a third round pick. It is essentially the Canucks getting Zadorov. Nice, a nice fit. Perfect Rick Tockett player. But Calgary moving him essentially, you know, to free up some cap space, as Craig Conroy had mentioned uh on his hit yesterday with Pat Steinberg on uh on our friends in uh Calgary 960 there. And I really like the fit. It's a nice addition to the blue line. It gives them a little bit of snar- a little bit more snarl, and it's a it's a great fit. So Nikita Zadorov off to Vancouver, and we'll see where Calgary goes from here. Um, a guy who was very busy last night joins me on the line now. Elliot Freeman, Hockey Night in Canada, and Thirty Two Thoughts. How was the uh, How was the Gowan concert last night? It was fantastic. Thank you for asking. It was awesome. I'm I'm not going to lie. You didn't strike me as a Gowan guy. You know, a, a lot of people don't really know uh, him that well. Um, he's he's a pretty brilliant musician just in general. Um, you know, first of all, there's all the big stuff he had from the 80s, which was, uh, um, which was, which was great stuff. It was great fun. Um, and there's the stuff from Sticks now. But I've seen him at other events where he just riffs on the piano. And he's a really, really talented guy. He's, uh, um, you know, he's he, like some people you, you, you see them and you realize, oh, they're really good at that. The depth of what he can do is a lot greater than, than I realized. Um, you know, 
I, I have to say too, um, and I hope I don't get too in too much trouble for saying this. Uh oh. But yeah, well, she can't hear me. But um, you know, uh, I, my wife is a huge Degrassi Junior High fan. And uh, she loves the show. And I learned this when we started dating. And there's a, a very big scene from, I don't know if it's their movie or one of their shows or anything like that, where the Moonlight Desires is the key song that plays underneath it while it happens. Okay. And so, like, this is also going to gown is not only for me, but, you know, I'm trying to make sure that she stays married to my sorry ass. So that <laughs> that's what this is about too. Nice work. Because uh, I was going to ask if your wife is a fan because I, I dragged my wife to a concert at uh, at the Horseshoe Tavern a few weeks ago, and she said, "I will never do that again." She loves the band. We'll never do that again. Um, Massey Why, Hall. What did a little she bit like? Uh, what's that? Sorry. Was she didn't like the Horseshoe Tavern? Uh, it it was chaos. Elliot, like it, I had never, I I've never shoe, been, man. I love it for the intimacy. Don't get me wrong. Um, yeah. but she had a beer spilled on her and I almost got into it with uh, another patron because of it. Um, it was just a lot of people pushing towards the front. She's not used to that. Uh, so, so she wasn't too thrilled. The band was great. We went to go see, uh, Shane Smith and the saints, a country band, and they are fantastic. Anyway, uh, glad you enjoyed yourself last night. Um, because there were, there was some news last night. We'll get to the news from earlier today though. Uh, Samuel Montembeau extension, three years, 3.15 million. Like I like this move by the Canadians, a, a decent season last year on what was really not a, a great team in Montreal, but certainly has shown some improvement. And specifically after playing well for Canada at the worlds, like I think this is a nice little deal for both sides. Does it tell us anything about maybe the future of Jake Allen, or do you think these are not related? Um, I think a couple of things here. First of all, I agree with you that, you know, I, I think goalies have been historically proven that they're a little different than skaters. Um, you know, there's, there's a, a lot of evidence that um, skaters have a certain prime, and especially when it comes to scoring points, and it happens uh, earlier than goalies. There is more evidence that sometimes goalies mature later and can have later elite-level careers into their 30s. And Montembeau is a guy, I think he's 27 um, he's battled to get where he is. I, I'm happy for him personally because it wasn't an easy linear path. Um, and, you know, now he's got that three-year contract. And they've been talking about it for a little bit. They were going back and forth. I think Montreal had made it clear that um, they weren't going to wait, like, to the trade deadline. They wanted an answer. And if he was going to take the deal, and he gets it. Um, I think the thing about the goalies now is, I do believe the Canadians wanted clarity on Montembeau one way or the other before they finished out this three-goalie rotation. And now, like, I don't think that the Canadians are going to say, okay, we've got this guy signed. We're going to move Allen or Primo. Uh, just call us and we'll get rid of Allen or Primo. I don't think it's going to be that simple. I think the Canadians are going to say, look, okay, now we have some clarity. We know Montembeau signed. And now we'll see what's out there for our other guys, but they're not going to rush to do it to make a bad deal. I do think they will now be a little more incentivized to do it, but it's got to make sense. The one thing to remember here is that Allen has a partial no trade. So there are some places he can't be sent without his permission. Um, but I, I do think you'll see the Canadians look into, okay, who needs what, um, what are the deals that are out there? 
Um, they were afraid to put Primo on waivers, so they definitely believe there's interest in him. Um, and there's always interest in goalies, let's face it, uh, especially later on in the year near the trade deadline. If you're the Canadians and uh, you're out of it, um, there's one currency. Um, well, defensemen are good currency, but, man, goalies right now are good currency as well. So uh, very interested to see what happens there. Um Okay, the trade yesterday. Now, I don't know if I'm talking out of school here, Elliot, but I know that at the company Christmas party, you you got played a little bit by a producer here at Sportsnet 590, the fan, about the return on the Zadorov deal, and you went to check your phone, and he said, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, you were half not happy, but half very impressed by the work that he did. Uh, that was Mark Boffo. But yesterday, the deal actually mm-hmm. happened. Um, Zadorov gets his wish. He gets moved from Calgary uh, to Vancouver in exchange for for two picks. Did you think this was what the return was going to be? Or um, might it have been a little bit better had Calgary, you know, if they decided to move him to Toronto where um, they would have had to have eaten a little bit of money? Would that have changed the package? Or do you think this is just what it was going to be? Um, I, I think, I, look, I think if you, I, what I always do is I kind of go back and I look, uh, okay, here's what similar players have have gone for in recent years. And the one that I really looked at from last year was one that both the Toronto fans and the Vancouver fans are familiar with, and that's Luke Shen. Uh, Luke Shen was traded last year to the Maple Leafs for a third-round pick. And that's kind of where I saw as Zadorov's uh, value and what can happen to you is Matt is if there's a lot of teams who are interested in the player and I think there was a lot of interest in Zadorov then that sometimes can drive up the price the thing that Vancouver did here was they put themselves in a position where they could get him without asking Calgary to take money and that was a big deal for the Flames the Flames were in LTIR they have a couple of other players who were there Zadorov's at 3.75 million by, you know, by making that deal and not having to take a player back or not eating money, they they're out of LTIR and now they can start accruing some cap space and that's a big deal. Um, it's going to give them some flexibility to do some things. It's going to put them in position to uh, increase uh, some of the opportunities of what they can do. And I absolutely think that Calgary wants it to be seen as a signal that if you're interested in doing business with them, they're willing to talk. Um, you know, obviously, if Calgary's being asked to eat money, then they're going to ask more of a price from the other teams that want to trade for them. So, for example, I, like, I definitely think Toronto had interest in Zadorov. I definitely think Toronto was in the middle of these conversations. But all of that said, they would have had to pay a higher price because they would have needed the Flames to eat money and they might have had to include a player. So, depending on all their injury situations. So, you know, I I think it was a much easier deal for Vancouver to do. Now, I think Vancouver had to throw the extra pick in there, the fifth rounder, just because they're a division rival. It's not a huge price to pay. You pay it. But I do think Calgary wanted that a little bit. Um, uh, So... Basically, because of Vancouver's cap situation being better than everybody else's, uh, I'm not surprised it ended up being where it was. I, I will say this. I was surprised at the timing. I knew Vancouver was looking for a D, um, and I thought I didn't. I should have remembered that it's Rutherford's history to go quick. I should have seen that one coming. But the other thing, too, is 
you know, I think Calgary was motivated to make the deal, even though they're playing well and they won again last night. I still think there was some uh, hurt feeling, I guess, from the, the trade request and how it got out after that game in Toronto. And I think they were just like, let's move on. Uh, from the, uh, I do want to talk about Zadorov the fit with Vancouver, but for Calgary, uh, Craig Conroy on Sportsnet 960 with Pat Steinberg talked about that cap flexibility. I mean, do you, if they're going to add, obviously it's going to be future stuff. It's not going to be guys for right now, or at least I, I don't think it would be, but could agree you agree with that? What's that? Sorry. I don't agree with that. So you think that they would add for now in, in, in the short term? Yes. Well, not the short term, but, you know, take a look at some of the guys they've traded for, right? They traded for Sharon Govich from New Jersey. He's a young player who lost, you know, who fell out. Like, he's the kind of guy in New Jersey, all of a sudden they didn't have room for him in an offensive role. It doesn't mean he's not a a talented offensive player, but what it does mean is that they have – uh, you know, you look at a team that added Timo Meyer. You look at they they re-signed uh, Jesper Bratt. Like they just didn't have a top six role for him, and it's not. And he's a guy too, based on his counting stats, that his cat his his salary was going to get close to three four million dollars. So it didn't make sense for New Jersey to keep him. They used him as a trade check. Now that's the kind of guy that Calgary should be. Uh, taking a look at because he's still young, he's still got time, and he's starting to find his way there. I think those, like, I don't think they're looking for pure futures. I think they're looking, if they can, to find guys like that who are younger still, still have time left, still have some team control, and are looking to find a new opportunity. Like, one of the guys I've wondered about for Calgary is Oliver Wallstrom. Now, mm-hmm. I think they were talking to the Islanders about Zadorov. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, if they even talked the Islanders a little bit about a Tanov or a Hannafin. Um, but, um, you know, it, like to me, that's the kind of guy that if I was the Flames, I'd be looking at and it fits the profile because he's still young. He's an NHLer, but he's having trouble finding his way. Maybe, you know, a change of scenery and the role that they could have for him would be different. But that's the kind of player I think they're looking at. Sorry, I should have clarified and said they're not going to add like any big salary or anything. But along the line of that questioning, uh, Your Honor, um, (laughs) could you see them maybe being a team, if if they don't find the right deal or whatever, and they have some cap space, could you see them being a team that maybe could be a third party and facilitating another trade to add something, whether it be a draft pick or or whatever the case may be? I think, yeah, I, I think so. Like, like I said, I, I, ultimately, I think they'll do whatever they can to make their team better. And if they can facilitate something that gives them an extra asset, sure. Um, I, like I said, I think what Conroy did yesterday was he said, look, we're, we're out there and we're willing to talk. If you've got something that you, uh, that you uh, need to do and we can help you, give us a call. My number's not unlisted. Yeah, no kidding. Um, okay, so the Zadorov fit with Vancouver. Like, I look at this and I say, I see the way the Canucks are playing. I see guys like Elias Pettersson throwing their body around a little bit. And I say, Nikita Zadorov is the perfect Rick Tockett player. Ad- agree or yeah. disagree? I agree with that. I, I, I think he absolutely fits in what, you know, Tockett, you know, likes to do. Uh, you know, I think I like Zadorov as a player. I mean, I know he wants to play more. I think every player wants to play more. But I think he'll fit in very well 
in in Vancouver and what they like to do. And you know, the other thing too about Zadorov is he's a big guy and he hits, but I, I don't think he's going to score 14 goals again. But the fact is, like, he can contribute. And if you're watching the Stanley Cup the last few years, um, you know, size matters again, Marchese. Um, you know, you take a look at. But it's not just big and slow; it's big and mobile. Mm-hmm. You take you take a look at the teams that have won the Stanley Cup recently: Tampa Bay, Colorado, Vegas. They've all got big, long defenses that can move. And like the whole the whole goal now, when it comes to defense, is setting up a corn maze in your zone. That when you always have to go through an arm, a leg, a body, a stick, whatever it is. Like, you never have free ice because teams are so big and long, it's hard to get through them. And, you know, Zadorov fits with that. He's a big guy. He can move pretty well. And, you know, like, I I think the thing is, too, it's funny. I I was talking a little bit about this on on the Vancouver uh, show. yesterday. I was on with uh, Dan and and Sat and Bick, and uh, somebody was listening to me, and, and he called me after, and he said, like in Vancouver, you've got Quinn Hughes, and Hughes is a great player. Like, let's just throw that out there first. Mm-hmm. He's he's a phenomenal player. He's a great player. I think if you went back the last three years, um, in the in the in the Stanley Cup final, I, I I'm I don't know if there's been a defenseman on any because like, Gerard got hurt. So if I'm missing someone, uh, people will tell me. Um, I think he was there the second year, but of the teams that won, um, uh, 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 got hurt when Colorado won the, won the cup. Mm-hmm. The teams that won, I don't know if there was a defenseman of his physical size. Now, you're not going to whine and bitch about having Quinn Hughes. You're ecstatic to have a player with that talent and hockey sense, and he competes hard. He works hard. But the thing is what you have to do because he's going to play big minutes and Vancouver sometimes rotates who plays defensively with them. You need a big, a big mobile guy next to him. Um, and, you know, it just gives, um, you just need a guy who's big around him or can take up space around him because just by the sheer size of Hughes, there's a little bit more room to work in the defensive zone. So how are you going to help doing that? And he says that's what he thinks Vancouver is trying to do and Tocket is trying to do is just make sure that this is a copycat league. You take a look at the teams that win right now. They're long. It's hard to get through them. Vancouver is just looking at it and saying, okay, how can we get longer and harder to get through against? And Zadorov does that. Elliot Freeman from Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts joining Matt Marchese here on the Jeff Merrick Show. Uh, So you mentioned Toronto in there and and how they were – kind of in on Nikita Zadorov. Could they now focus their attention on another Calgary defenseman, especially considering we know the relationship between Brad Treliving and the Calgary Flames. You understand all that. Uh, or could they focus their attention somewhere else? It just feels like Calgary has a couple defensemen that might be really good fits there. Well, they were in this. Toronto was there. They, they were um, they were in this. Like, again, it's one of those things, sometimes you find out more after it's over, but I think Calgary kind of sent you know, the flares up that they were going to do this yesterday and anybody else who um, wanted to do it better get in there and better make their offers. And I think the Leafs were trying. I think they were definitely interested. It was a more complicated deal for them. 
Um, and obviously it didn't get done. But, you know, I said on, I, I wrote this week, I, I've talked about it with Jeff, um, who you are replacing today, and let's make it permanent, Maddie. Um, but, <laughs> Tell uh, the bosses. <laughs> but I think one of the things the Leafs are kind of talking about is, like you know, there are years you go for it with your rentals. Like last year, they give up a first. They give up a first to get Ryan O'Reilly, um, and you know it was, it was a bigger deal than just O'Reilly. It was a Chari too. But um, you know they they went out and they they went hard after rentals. And I and I think some of the things the Leafs are looking at right now is you know their record's good. Um, they only you know they had a big win last night, the Marner Show in Toronto, but they only have five regulation wins. So what does that mean? Um, and you know how do you how does that affect you? And um, you know I, I think that I, I think they're kind of wondering. They've got some holes. They've got some injuries on the blue line. How much do we want to spend for a rental? Now the thing I think about Tanev that's a little bit different is I think the Maple Leafs feel reasonably confident that if they trade for Tanev, they'll be able to sign him. Now that doesn't mean you now. Maybe if they maybe they ask Calgary if they get close on a trade, maybe they ask Calgary for a window and say, "Can we do this?" Because it benefits the Flames too. Maybe they can get a better return. But that's the guy I kind of look at for a rental. And I and I believe the price on Tanev is higher than Zadorov after sending a few texts in my post gallon morning. But um, <laughs> you know, I I just I think the price is a little bit higher, but. That's the one guy I look at and I say, if Toronto targets him, and I believe he's very high on their list, and I don't think, you know, they're, they're the only team looking at him. I think there's a few other teams looking at him. I just think that they'll, they feel that they could keep him if they get him here. So that's just one, that's the kind of thing I'm watching. Uh, being a Toronto guy probably doesn't hurt in this case either. Okay, uh, goalie goals. Tristan Jari last night scores mm. a, a wonderful one. And, you know, I, I mentioned this in the open, Elliot. I like the goalie scoring the goal, but I think the thing that gives me the most joy is the reactions from his teammates when he scores yeah. the goal. Because, like, Eric Carlson was felt like he was more excited for Tristan Jari than Tristan Jari was last night. I love to see it. I agree with you. Um I think the best leaders are people that are just as happy, if not more happy for others than they are for themselves. I think that's always a great uh, sign. You know, I, I was watching it obviously after I was done last night. And the thing that really stood out to me, uh, Matt was, it was a really quick play. Yeah. Like, he didn't have a lot of time. That was a, that was a great, like Jari, the Penguins power play has really been struggling. Jari should be on the power play. He <laughs> Put him on not, the point. <laughs> you know, he, he did not need a lot of time to set that up and it was a good shot and it was an accurate shot. You know, it, it, basically what do they say now, Matt? It's not how hard you shoot it. It's how quickly you get it off and yeah. how accurate it is. That was, that's the thing that impressed me. Not only did he scored, but he didn't have a ton of time and he did it quick and he did it accurately. And it was, you know, it's, it's, it, it, you know, there's, if you miss, it's a big, it's a big risk in the moment, but you know, Jari had had, had big uh, big guts to do that one. Very impressive, and I agree with you. the The celebration is always the giveaway about how people really feel, right? Yeah. All the Penguins are very excited. Yeah, and and that's a, a nice little story for Christian, Christian Jari, who I mean, let's face it, uh, he was under a lot of criticism last year, and he's uh, he certainly played well this year. Uh, we'll talk more about the Penguins with Josh Yowie in the next block. Uh, how about break up the Oilers? Now, I have a stat for you, Elliot. Uh, okay. This one was uh, sent to me from Ali Kassam. He uh, he sent me a DM on Twitter. Oh, Ali, and Ali is uh, he's a first of all. Let me just shout him out. Like, yeah, 
He's great. I, I, first of all, I'm incredibly disappointed to hear that Ali is cheating on me because I thought <laughs> I was the only guy who sent DMs to him. No, he sent me one today. He said uh, he's a great fan. Great yeah, fan. yeah. Uh, Louis DeBrusque is four and zero since coming back from the uh, the dad's trip with the Bruins as the Oilers broadcaster. So uh, maybe more of those for the Oilers. But uh, another win for the Oilers. This one on the road in Winnipeg, and I know Winnipeg has kind of scuffled the last few games here, but uh, four wins in a row for the Oilers. Elliot, it may be something like, I I feel like I'm going to say something that's really stupid, but whatever. Um, Is it as simple as Connor McDavid is putting more points up on the board and they're getting a couple more saves and that's why they're winning games. Like that's kind of what it feels like right now. I I think, you know, it's not, it's not entirely that simple, but that is a lot of it. Yeah. Uh, You know, there's, there's no doubt about that. It's funny you mentioned uh, about uh, Ali sending you that, um, that uh, stat because I praised Jamal Myers somewhere for <laughs> what a nice job he was doing, you know, calling all those games in Louis' absence. And he sent me a note saying that those are 0-3 with him calling the games. I can't wait till we get rid of this guy. So it's kind of funny how his record is so bad and Louis since the Bruins' dad's trip is so good. Um, I get a good laugh out of that. But look, like, McDavid, I really thought when when he came back for the outdoor game, I remember being at the practice the night before, the open skate that the others had, he was flying, and I'm like, okay, this guy's fine. And then we realized very quickly that even after that win, he was not fine. Yeah. And, you know, a, a lot of what the Oilers do when he's on the ice, and this is not a criticism, I would do the same thing, is give him the puck and get us out of trouble. And, you know, while he was hurting, he he couldn't do that as easily. He was, he was a mere mortal at times. Right. And so, you know, when you lose that, you lose basically your safety valve. You're, you know, you don't want to make that your play all the time, although you probably should, but you know, when you're in trouble, where's 97, here's the puck, just get out of here. And that option was gone. You know, plus they weren't getting saves. There's, there's no question about it. They were very leaky. So to me, it's not only that McDavid's healthy, but I also think Ekholm looks a lot healthier. Yeah, like, he does. This is a guy who does not does, does, did not start the season very well. Um, it's clear he wasn't 100. percent And you know, as they were losing, you know what's happening. Uh, honestly, Matt, it's that McDavid and Ekholm probably should be taking nights off, or could be taking nights off if the team was going well, and they just wouldn't do it. And so what happens is you can't recover as quickly. But these guys aren't going out while things are bad. So now they're better. Um, the team is better. Um, they're, they're coming back. It's, it's still a challenge. They don't have a lot of room for error. I mean, what's really helped them is that the pace for the final playoff spot in the East is far, far ahead of the pace in the final playoff spot in the West. But you know what? They just they have to continue getting saves. Now, I, I'm really curious to see what's going to happen here. Um, you know, they, they were in Columbus for two days in a row, a lot of two games in a row. A lot of people think they were looking at goalies, and they probably were. But I think it's more than that. I think they were looking at some of the Columbus's depth players, who they think might be able to help them. And so I, you know, I, I think they're looking. I think they're considering some things. But you know, Campbell won again the other night. He had 39 saves. He's going to play another game this weekend. The Oilers don't play again until Wednesday. I have a feeling that. Uh, we in, in, instead of trading for a goalie, 
as long as it goes okay this uh, this weekend, whenever he's supposed to play, we could see Campbell back in uh, in Edmonton. Well, and if they do deal for a goalie, that's going to be a very not anything can happen, but that feels like a really difficult deal to make at this point, anyway, doesn't it? Well, it, you know, it, it it always is because you're dealing from a position of weakness. Although even in the cap space uh, situation too, as well, right? Yeah. Well, the, the the guy I'd want, the guy you wonder about there is is Spencer Martin, right? Yeah. Um, Spencer Martin's played pretty well Uh, on a team that um, has really struggled at times this year. He's got a league average um, uh, save percentage, which is not considering his goals against average was in the threes last I checked. You know, he was right at the league average save percentage. So, and people, people have seen a bit more of him than I have. They said he's pretty well, played pretty well. So, like, they have Tarasov, who's a really talented guy. He'll probably need a conditioning stand. But then, unless Columbus wants to keep three goalies, then, you know, they, they, they won't want, I'm sure they won't want to risk putting Martin on waivers. So, we'll see. Like, unless they put, they move somebody else. But I, I was told specifically, I know why everybody is, looking at goalies, they might be looking at more than that. Uh, a quick one before we let you go here. The Did you see the Garnet Hathaway hit last night on Luke Hughes? I did. I, okay, I did. so I didn't, I didn't love the call. I thought that, you know, the whistle was blown a little late, well, a lot late, and I, I just, I thought that the five minutes for that was a little egregious. John Tortorella certainly agrees with my point of view yeah. on that one. Um, yeah. I just felt like it was, you know, you kind of took the physical element out of the game. And, and I don't love when officials do that. And specifically in that type of game between division rivals, like you want a little bit of bite to the game. And I'm, and I, I know it gave a little bit afterwards, but I really felt like the officials took away a physical element out of that game yesterday. Well, I have one question for you because I don't 100% know the answer. I sure. just saw the hit. Was that an icing? I believe so, but the whistle was late. Like, the whistle happened well, afterwards. here's the thing, and this is why, this is because I said, uh, you know, when I got out last night and I started looking at some of the news of the night, like the Jari goal, and I looked at the halfway hit, and I texted someone and I said, that doesn't look like a penalty at all. Like, what is that? And this is someone, and he said to me, the thing he didn't like was it was an icing, and technically there is something in the rule book that says you're not supposed to hit guys during icings. And the one thing I'll say about your point is that, look, it's I know the whistle comes late because you have to wait until someone gets to the dot and make your call. It was um, really late though, like after but, Hughes but, touched the puck. But, but the one point I'll, the one thing I would say is that on an icing, I think players have a little bit of a responsibility to be you know, more aware, like, uh, you know, this is, you know, for how many years did, you know, we watch, you know, Ron and Don talk about icing, right. And how dangerous a play it was. So uh, maybe I'm indoctrinated a bit from all of those highlights. They used to show like Pat peak, whose you know, career, unfortunately was basically ruined because of that. I understand the sensitivity. So I just wonder if that was not an icing. Like I love a physical game. I, I sometimes I don't think we have enough of it. In the regular season playoffs, no problem. But in that particular case, I, I I looked at it being an icing, and I said, you know what, I I have some understanding of what the official was thinking in that play. Well, well I'll I'll take that. I still don't love the call, but okay, I'll I'll take that. I'll accept that, Elliot. Um, listen, Thank you, Matt. You can stay. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks a lot for doing you wanna, this, pal. You want to do the podcast on Sunday? Uh, that's football Sunday, pal. Um, that's oh. a little bit busy for me.
Uh, doing... I, I've, I, I've always said you are more dedicated than none of your coworkers. <laughs> uh, you and everyone else. Thank you, Elliot. Take care, man. Bye-bye.